Raise your hand if you've been in a bidding war in the past month. If you're driving, maybe just nod your head up and down if it's not safe to take your hand off the wheel. Hi, I'm Matt McGee, host of The Walkthrough. We're in the middle of an encore presentation of a two-part series on winning bidding wars. Last week, you heard a replay of part one of my conversation with Portland agent Sarita Dua. Today, we are continuing with part two, a deep dive into writing offers that the listing agent and their seller will love. As you listen, you'll hear me reference data from our quarter three Top Agent Insights survey. That data is obviously old by now, but you'll notice the market itself hasn't changed much at all since then. Most importantly, the tips and tactics that Sarita shares are just as relevant today as they were five months ago. So here's a quick two-second break, and then we'll continue with this encore presentation. It's part two of how to write the kind of offers that win bidding wars. When it comes to winning bidding wars in a year where bidding wars are becoming the norm, how do you convince the listing agent to choose your offer? When you're trying to win a bidding war, the smallest details can have the biggest impact, and you better bring more than a good price to the table. Price is price. Everybody, and I think that's a mistake we all make. Everyone just assumes it's a price discussion. It's about risk too, right? The seller wants the best terms and they want the lowest risk, which means they want the highest probability that this horse is going to cross the finish line. That's the voice of Sarita Dua, an agent in Portland, Oregon, where bidding wars are common and the market is unlike anything she's seen in her 16 years in real estate. Sarita is back with me today for part two of our conversation about winning bidding wars. This week, we'll continue talking about the three C's, confidence, communication, and creativity. By the time we finish today, this is the question we'll answer. How do you write an offer that tells the listing agent, our horse is the one that has the best terms, lowest risk, and is most likely to cross the finish line? This is the walkthrough. Hello, hello, everyone. I am Matt McGee, editor of Homelight's Agent Resource Center. Welcome to The Walkthrough. On this show, you'll learn what's working right now from the best real estate agents and industry experts in the country. At Homelight, we believe in real estate agents. We're on a journey to find out how great agents grow their business, stand out from the crowd, and become irreplaceable. You can get involved in the show in a couple different ways. Leave a voicemail or send me a text. The number is 415 322-3328. You can send an email. It's walkthrough at homelight.com or just find me in our Facebook listener community. Go to Facebook, do a search for Homelight Walkthrough and the group should come right up. I want to start this week with a couple statistics from Homelight's Q3 Top Agent Insights Survey. It just came out this month. Statistic number one, 97% of the 1,100 agents we surveyed told us that they've had multiple offers on at least one of their listings in the past three months. Number two, 87% of agents working with buyers said they are bidding above the asking price just to compete. Well, we're in the middle of a two-part walkthrough series where we don't just want to talk about competing. We want to find out how you win bidding wars. My guest is Sarita Dua a 16-year veteran agent working in the red-hot Portland, Oregon market. 
Sarita loves working with buyers. She says they make up about 65% of her business. And she has been winning a lot of bidding wars this year for her clients, including this summer, she won seven bidding wars in a single weekend. Before we get into part two, I wanna make sure you're caught up and on the same page with me. So in part one last week, that was episode 33, Sarita said you have to change how you write offers in a competitive market like this. She talked about the five parts of an offer, price, earnest money, down payment, close date, and what she calls the miscellaneous bucket. That last one, miscellaneous bucket, that includes things like contingencies and rent backs and so forth. She says that's the most important part of the offer when you're trying to win a bidding war. Sarita also introduced the three C's, confidence, communication, and creativity. Those are the key to winning bidding wars. In part one last week, we covered confidence and we started talking about communication. Today, we're gonna pick up right where we left off with communication and then we'll transition into creativity. So you'll hear Sarita talk about a creative tactic that she calls the swoop, where she gives the listing agent a deadline to respond to her buyer's offer. You'll also hear what she needs to know from her buyers to help her write the best offer possible and an answer to a listener question about how to beat an all-cash offer. As we dive into part two right now, we are talking about those three C's and specifically the middle C, which is communication. I think there's this, there's probably this debate that a lot of agents have when they're talking to the listing agent. Should I play it close to the vest or should I show my cards? You're all about showing your cards. Especially if I know my client wants it, right? If my client's indifferent, then we're indifferent, right? But if they're like, this is the one, then you know I'm not really giving any way, anything away if I tell them we're writing an offer because we are writing an offer. And in fact, I want them to know we're writing an offer because at the end of the day, some of these agents will have a deadline and then an amazing offer will come in and they're going to not respect the deadline and they're going to take it. So it's important for them to know we're putting together something awesome. It's going to be worth your while. Share with me what matters right, to your seller. Again, whether I can do anything about it or not, I don't know. But at least tell me besides price, what will make this a win? They might say, guess what? We want the highest price and we want the least amount of headache. One time he said, you know what? Price matters, but like we've actually had a sale fail. So like these guys just want someone who's sure and they want it to close. So then now I know in my offer, I'm going to show hints that like we're sure, right? Which might be higher earnest money, shorter inspection period, a really strong, you know, we've seen it three times, all of it. Like they're going to know that we're sure. Um, and so it just depends what, yeah. So I believe if they really do want the house, we're not giving anything away saying we want the house. Tell me how to make it a win. Other people may disagree and that's completely okay. But I just don't think I'm giving anything away by saying, we want to, we're want we going to put together something awesome. Tell me what makes it a win. You also said in terms of writing the offer and communicating with the listing agent that you want to present the best price, but you want to present your buyer as the best buyer, not just the best price. That's right. Because sometimes... Matt, if it was just price, I have this joke, it would be a game show, right? It'd be the price is right. Now we're just, you know, when you go on the showcase show down here, like, you know, you have to bet on the treadmill and some people will say $1,000 and some people will say a dollar. Like, it's just literally a guessing game on what the right number is. It has to be more than one dimension. And here's the thing. If you do your job right and build that rapport, sometimes we're just not 
the highest or even the second highest. Maybe we're in the top three, but we're in spitting distance. But they like the professionalism, the communication. Uh, they like that we know how to fill out the form. We were pretty complete. We had the pre-approval letter. We had the lender call when we submitted the offer. Like We just dotted every I, crossed every T. Many times, honestly, I will get the call saying, Sharita, you weren't the highest, but we really liked a lot of things about your offer. Like They know at that point, I'm not going to be able to really change my down payment. But maybe it's a few thousand dollars to adjust the price, or maybe it's one week for the close date or something like that. A lot of times I will get the counter, even a verbal counter. Sarita, you're really close. If you think you can do this, this, and this, you're going to get it. And part of the reason I get that call, two things. One, I built rapport just now. But two, unfortunately, for those people that just started like yesterday or the day before, it's been 16 years of being a professional and having a good reputation in my market. Like I didn't know 16 years ago this market's going to present itself and I just better be on my best behavior. I just knew I had to be a good agent. So reputation matters. And then your conversations around this particular transaction and the rapport you're building on the phone, following up with text, making sure you're asking the agent, hey, did you get everything? Is there anything I can do to make this easier? Is there anything that's missing that you think I should be addressing right now? What can I do? You're just, you know, you don't want to be annoying, but you want to just make sure you go above and beyond to stand out. And I'll be honest with you, the bar is really low because there's so many agents today that are just texting everything in. They're not picking up the phone. They're not even following up to see if you got the email. They're they're presenting, they're not even presenting the offer. They're like, here's the offer. Like, at least take the time to recap the offer in the summary. (laughs) So the agent doesn't miss, like, oh. The offer was awesome, but there was a line in there where they asked for closing costs, and I kind of missed that. Like, make sure you at least have the good and the bad like highlighted up front, so that there's no miscommunication and they didn't miss a key term of the offer, right? And so, I think it's just really important for us. Honestly, I'm not asking people to do much more than like what I think is the standards of our job. It's not even like we're not, you know, sending flowers and, and, and skywriting here. We're just doing our job, but so many others aren't that I think you do stand up. So we've talked about confidence and communication. The third C uh, you mentioned is creativity. Where does that play into the, the process of, of multiple offer situations and trying to win a bidding war? So creativity is really uh, like, I love the concept of deal structure. After 16 years, every deal has its own fingerprint, its own, you know, pillars or tenants. And And that's what makes every kind of interaction or negotiation unique. And so the creativity is really taking what you learned from the communication phase and applying it to an offer term. Um, For example, like, oh, they don't know where they're going. I'm going to give them free rent back. Oh, they're worried about their bottom line. They're just like, like price really matters. Maybe we limit how repairs are going to be. So they know that even after repairs, there's not going to be the second crazy negotiation. Um, so creativity is being able to listen and apply. There's also some other kind of creative things I've done. One is I've, uh, I've basically disrespected an offer deadline at times and said, you know what? I know the offer deadline's Monday. Let's put together an amazing offer. Let's be creative and have it be strong in every way. And let's make sure we give them 24 hours to respond. And I'll say this, Matt. I'll say, Matt, I know you have a deadline for Monday and I know it's Thursday and I know you have nine showings. But here, we have tightened every screw here to make it the best offer for you. High price, short inspection period, quick close. 
I, I can't do the three-week close unless I can order the appraisal tomorrow and inspect on Monday. I've got the inspection on hold. Um, I'm not asking for anything. I'm waiving the appraisal contingency. I'm not going to ask for repairs unless each item is over $2,000. Only if it's over $2,000, which means a major issue, I'll ask. Minor issues, you're not going to hear from me. And, and I'll say this. I'll say, Matt, they like the house. We're not trying to be jerks here. They just are not going to make it till Monday. They love it that much. And so if you expect when, you know, it, it technically expires in 24 hours. If you accept this offer, um, we're going to be thrilled and we're off to the races. If you don't, I'm not going to say we're not going to be there on Monday. Like it's not like their love for the house is going to change over the weekend, but I can't guarantee we're going to have these same sweeteners. And why would someone do that? Like, why, well, Serena, why would you do that? Like, you don't even know how many offers they're going to get. And like, why would you like try to steal it up front? I call it the swoop. Why would you swoop in and take it? Well, because maybe my client can only pay 10 or 15 more and they're worried it's going to get completely out of hand. Right. And so, and they've lost so many times and they know that this is the one. And the beauty at the beginning is showings don't equal offers. That seller doesn't really know if those nine showings are going to equal right. multiple offers or not. So it is a bird in the hand, right? And my job there from a creativity standpoint is to make them wince, right? Wince just enough that they might consider it. Maybe they consider it and my buyer's a winner. Maybe don't. they don't. My job, hopefully, is to do it in a way where I don't piss them off. And I'm still professional enough that they get that I was working hard for my client and it shows you that this is the kind of agent who's going to just work really hard to make sure that you know things things work out in a successful outcome, which is really for both our clients. Do you ever get a negative reaction from a listing agent when you when you do put a, a you know a twenty four or whatever it might be forty eight hour deadline on the offer that your clients are writing? I never have one, honestly. I, I don't do it all the time, but I've done it. I would say a dozen times, and I've never had a negative reaction because. Because it's how you position it, right? If you say, "Hey, you can't blame a girl for trying. They really love the house. Um, if this this does not work for you, we're you know I will send you over an extension and we may change some terms. But I'd love you to present it to your seller, right? Like at the end of the day, it's it's not up to the agent. It's up to the seller. I think if a seller, if an agent has an issue with it, of their sort of guidance not being um, followed, you know, it's usually more agent ego then because like did you know they should at least present it to the seller and let the seller decide, right? There's some sellers, honestly, at least at the beginning of COVID back in May, early June, like to be done before we start and not have anyone through their house is probably not a bad thing, right? And so even though they did all this work to prepare the house and they want the eyeballs, they do want it over in, in an outcome that works for them. So um, I'm not... I think I think if you're honest and professional and a little bit self-deprecating too, like, hey... My seller just—they're just thinking they're, they're beside themselves. They love it. This is the one. They're so grateful. Like the two others that they liked in the last six months, they didn't get because this is the one. We just—you know—we put together something for you to consider. If it works, we'd be thrilled. If not, we understand. Like I don't know if you go in with that kind of attitude. I don't see a bunch of people being really upset that they want that we want to pay a, a really good amount of money for their seller's house. Everyone, if you're enjoying the walkthrough, we'd appreciate it if you tell the real estate agents in your network about us. Even more, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Your feedback helps us get better, and in some cases, can also help new listeners find and hear us. And when we get around to having you on the show, the more listeners, the better, right? 
We've been talking about the three C's of winning bidding wars, confidence, communication, and creativity. You just heard Sarita describe what she calls the swoop, something she's done, she says, maybe a dozen times. Instead of going along with the seller's timeframe for reviewing offers, she'll write a really great offer for her buyer and then give the sellers a short window of time to consider it. If the seller doesn't respond, she and her buyer may pull their offer, or they might not. Creative? I'd say so. Is it also contentious? Probably. I imagine some of you don't like the sound of that, especially if you're the listing agent, or maybe if you work in a smaller market where all the active agents know each other pretty well, that approach may not work for you. Ultimately, you have to weigh the risks of doing something like that. But I'll say this, it reminds me of what Aaron Novello talked about a few episodes ago. In our discussion about winning the listing appointment, he talked about the takeaway close, letting the homeowner know that he might choose to walk away and not be their agent. Sarita is basically doing a takeaway close of her own here. She's letting the listing agent know that her buyer's offer is only good for, say, 24 hours, and they may move on to other homes after that. Again, it may not be something you're willing to try in your market, and that's okay, but it is something that is helping Sarita in multiple offer situations. Now let's get back to the conversation. In order to write better offers and win bidding wars, there are a few things Sarita needs to know from her clients, starting with, what's your plan B if you don't get this house? Uh, I, I'm a big uh, dis- uh, proponent of the, the teachings of Roger Yuri, U-R-Y, getting to yes. Um, and we call it the BATNA. But what is your plan B? It's very important for me to understand what the client's going to do if they don't get this house. Maybe it's, well, we didn't get the house on Miller, so we're going to go for the house on Patton. That's our plan B. Maybe it's, if we don't get this house, we're going to rent. Maybe if we don't get this house, that's okay. It just wasn't meant to be. We were indifferent anyways. Understanding what they're going to do if they don't get this house really helps me as we we as we put together our offer strategy and as I coach them. The other thing that's really important is for me to be you know, there's this beautiful meme, right, of Michael Phelps and Ryan Lochday, I think his name is, right, where Michael Phelps is swimming and Ryan is not looking at his lane, he's looking at Michael, right? And the meme says something like, you know, pay attention to your lane, not your competition, right? Like, like winners, winners focus on winning, losers focus on winners or something like that, right? And I think it's really a great meme because it really applies to like in multiple offers too, right? In some markets, if you know a deadline's Monday at four, you know that between three and four, they're all going to come in. Like you see, so we really know that we'll have a different strategy if there's 10 offers versus two, but we don't know on Friday or Saturday what's going to happen on Monday. And so while we can somewhat pivot and adjust as we get new information, the truth is it may be 358 and five offers come in and we're never going to know that, right? So at some point, we got to be the Michael Phelps here and be like, what actually matters to you independent of what the others are doing? So I'll. So not only do I want them to know their plan B and I need to understand it, I also want them to know their ceiling or limit. I want to say, hey, Matt, you're loving this house. I know it's 439. I know you can, you know, your pre-approval is up to 475. What is your max number. I need you to be completely... I don't care if there's 53 offers. What is the number where if someone pays you a dollar more, a hundred more, a thousand more, if someone else pays that seller more than you, 
you had hit your limit and you're and you're going to give them your blessings because you wouldn't have gone there. Buying a house is an emotional process at any time of year in any situation, right? How do you, especially when you're going back and forth and, you know, counter offers and, and this and that and the other with the, the listing agent, how important is it for you to sort of control your emotions and your buyer's emotions through this process? And how do you do that? Yeah, it's a really good question, right? Because I, I kind of said, don't be afraid to show your cards and be a little passionate. But as agents, we have to be professional and we can't be emotional like the buyer is. They're the buyer. They're the ones on the deed, not us. Sometimes we get caught up in winning and are doing our job so well in doing our job so well that we forget that maybe we want this to work more than the buyer does, right? We know what it takes to win. We're telling them all the clues and they're just not willing to do it because it doesn't, this house doesn't mean that much to them or they've got some other things going on that are more important. So the first thing I'd say to all you agents on the line is one, you're not the buyer. You're the professional resource for the buyer. And you have to remember your role. You're not living with them. You're not on title. You're not buying this house. So you have to give them your opinion, good and bad, but let them make the decisions. Two, I advise people to you know be creative, show some passion and energy because then they know that we're committed. But don't belabor the offers and the counter offers. Sometimes when things go too long, uh, egos get in the way. Agents have to have the last word. Sellers have to have the last word. I know personally, my husband, if we've had a garage sale and someone offers him like a dollar for something that's 50 bucks, he'd rather give it to Goodwill for nothing than give it to his neighbor for a dollar, right? It's the principle of it. And so this, this idea of sometimes the emotions backfire if they kind of go on too long. And so one thing I would say about that is, um, you know, how you just do that is you just sort of keep your emotions in check. Sometimes it's just important to pause and walk away. Sometimes I'll even ask the agent, especially if it's an agent I've got good rapport with, I'll be like, listen, we have a number in mind. Uh, We can get there quickly or we can play the back and forth game. Let me ask you, how important is it to your seller to have the last word? You know your client. And they'll even tell me it's really important. I'm like, okay, great. I'm going to craft our strategy and I'll coach my client. This guy likes you know, this guy or gal likes negotiating. They may you know don't care so much about who gets the last word. Let's just get to the number, right? And so we may go a little lower than where we were going to end up with because we know that they want and they like this for it. And so being able to like most agents will answer that question because again, it's in it's a different version of the same question, which is like, what's a win for your seller? And respecting your seller's style. Some of them, like, you know, they're going to want it. They believe the first offer is never the right one and they're going to want to go back right. to earth. Okay. And uh, sometimes it's going to be like, we're going to get there quickly. If that's okay with you, this is the number. It's like, we put a lot of thought into it. This is the final. We hope it works. But, you know, this, this is the game we're playing. Um, and so I think sometimes just agent to agent, we can diffuse some future emotion by just understanding the personality types and the ground rules for the negotiation. We have a listener community on Facebook. And so I let the, the folks in, in the community know that we are going to be doing this uh, this conversation about winning multiple offer situations. So a couple questions from listeners. The first one is from Jordy Romer, who is an agent uh, here in central Washington, a couple hours north of me, a couple hours north of you. Um, he says... How do you beat an all-cash offer? Um, Cash is just one of the terms. It is hard to beat, but there are some people that will take more money via loan than they would cash. And sometimes they even want the time. 
And the other thing I would say is with cash, sometimes all cash offers are investors and they don't have a moving truck and they don't have a vested interest in making it close. And they can actually back away with just as much uh, lack of emotion as they did going in. And so a buyer that's super engaged and wants the house and can paint a picture of how much they want their house, sometimes the seller feels a little bit more connected to that buyer than a, a maybe an all-cash investor. So, I mean, obviously terms matter and cash is hard, but a lot of people these days expect a discount for cash. And the truth is, if you do an inspect, if you do a, a loan and you actually remove the appraisal contingency and you're really tight on everything and you have a very strong lender with a good reputation and you have a good agent with a good reputation, uh, we have been known to be cash um, because we've been... Uh, you know, again, following all these tips of of listening and crafting a creative deal and and understanding what it makes to takes to make it win. Yes, cash has the lowest risk, but it 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 is still a risk if it doesn't close, right? Abby Walters is an agent in uh, Strasburg, Virginia, and she was a, a previous guest here on the podcast. And she asked a couple different questions that I'm just going to uh, sort of sum up. She was she's asking about the appraisal contingency and waiving the home inspection, and just generally asking how do you feel about waiving those contingencies as part of the effort to win in a multiple offer situation. And this is where I just have to kind of remind everyone, it's not about how we feel as much as is what our clients feel. And we just want to make sure we give them the options. And so like a lot of times I'll tell my clients, unless they're contractors or professional inspectors, it's not wise to waive the inspection contingency altogether. In fact, I'm going to make them sign a waiver if they do that. But so we will always have our right to terminate if there's something major in the inspection that we didn't see in the 20 minutes we were there for our showing. Um, but we will then set expectations, right? What, that's what a waiver is, is setting expectations that says, hey, after the inspection, if we do choose to move forward, we will do so without asking for repairs or without asking for minor repairs or without asking for repairs over a set amount. And so we typically, I mean, unless it's a teardown, or inspector, you know, an inspection inspector buying it. We usually and but there are some people that are like they'll waive the pre- inspection contingency because they'll they'll inspect during the disclosure contingencies or whatever. There's some creativity there, right? But the truth is, um, we always and we'll even write it like while we're not waiving our right to terminate, we are saying that um, that if we move forward, this is how it's going to go. There have been times though with like uh, sight unseen uh, in, uh, investor occupied, like let's say it's a duplex and you see one side and you don't see the other. We'll say stuff like, look, we know it's multiple offers. We've already walked through it with a contractor. We feel confident we can, we can take it as is. Um, and then we'll sort of know really upfront like what we're going to do in the first few, few uh, where we are. We do have a couple of other contingencies that we can use to get out. Serena, this has been just so fantastic. Are there any final words of wisdom, pieces of advice that you would want listeners to think about as they continue to fight through this this crazy market with all the multiple offer situations that everyone's dealing with? Oh, sage advice. Here we go. Well, first of all, it's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I would say this. Um, don't forget to have fun with this. You can tell I get I get lit up. You know, you can't see me on video, but you can hopefully hear it in my voice. If you're a seasoned agent. This is an invitation and a market for you to kind of wake up and get re-energized to, to the tools of our craft and find different ways of making our job uh, fun, exciting, and challenging again. 
there were times I think where we all sort of got into some routines and now we're back to really exercising those muscles, those negotiation muscles, those communication muscles, those creativity muscles, and making sure that not only are we confident about the situations we're going in, but we really feel like we're the best agent for the job. The other thing I would give to the same advice to the newbies on the line be thankful for this market. I I got my license one year before a really tough market in 05. 05 to 07 was insane. And I'm grateful for that year because learning how to actually write offers and meeting agents and going through some of the mechanics and then having a situation where then we had to learn how to be the best of the best, it's going to make you a better agent. So even though it's tough right now and you're going to be frustrated uh, for buyers... Um, I actually just want to tell people it's really fun working with buyers. You have a lot of control and you can vary a lot of things. And um, they're super grateful for our service. Whereas sometimes sellers, you do everything right and they still wonder if they paid you too much or they could have got more. Right. So I just I would just say new or veteran, either way, this is a great time in our industry to like pivot to the times and uh, deliver a high value to our clients. That's a great way to wrap it up. It's all about delivering the highest value to your clients, whether they be buyers or sellers. Thanks so much to Sarita Dewar for two great episodes about winning bidding wars. Such a timely topic right now, you know, with the way things are going in markets around the country. Let's do our takeaways segment. This is what stood out to me from today's show. Takeaway number one, Sarita isn't afraid to put her cards on the table with the listing agent. If your buyers really want the house, just ask point blank, what matters to your seller? What do we need to do to win? And then listen to the clues so that you can write the best offer possible. Takeaway number two, when it comes to being creative, Sarita shared this tactic she calls the swoop. It's something she's done maybe a dozen times over the years. She'll write a great offer and then tell the listing agent that it expires in, say, 24 hours. She's trying to swoop in and get the home for her buyer, and it has worked for Sarita. Creative? For sure. Controversial? Yep. I don't blame you if you think it is. Ultimately, you have to weigh the risks and decide if that's a tactic that you can use in your market. Takeaway number three, to write the best offer possible, you need to know your client's max offer amount and their plan B. If they don't win the bidding war, Do they have another house in mind? Will they have to get an apartment? That kind of stuff should guide your strategy. And then takeaway number four, keep your emotions in check. Don't let the offers and counter offers drag on and on too long. Sarita says you should also try to find out the seller's personality type. Are they the type of seller who would never accept the first offer? Do they like negotiating? Do they like having the last word? Knowing all of that helps you stay strategic and not emotional, and it gives you a better chance to win the bidding war. Okay, questions for Sarita. You can find her in our Facebook listener community. Just search Homelight Walkthrough, and the group should come right up. You can find me in there too, of course. Or if you prefer, send a uh, voicemail or a text. The number is 415-322-3328. You can also email anytime. It's walkthrough at homelight.com. That's all for this week. Thanks again to Sarita Dewar for joining me and thank you for listening. My name's Matt McGee and you've been listening to The Walkthrough. At Homelight, we believe in real estate agents. 
We're on a journey to find out how great agents grow their business, stand out from the crowd, and become irreplaceable. Go out and safely sell some homes. We'll talk to you again next week, everyone. Bye-bye.